Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Through the covers, Steve Smith is back. And Fortress Edgebaston has been breached by the Australians. Oh, Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Unplayable Podcast. This is part one in our Ashes Revisited series and today we go through the first test of the 2019 Ashes at Edgbaston with Australia batter Steve Smith. Welcome, Steve. Cheers, Sam. Good to be here. This is the first part of a six-part series, and we're going to review each test of the 2019 Ashes with a member of the Australian team, except the third test at Headingley, which is a two-parter. Such a big test. We needed two people and two parts. We've got Pat Cummins and Nathan Lyon on for that one. Uh, but before we get into the first test, Steve, how are you feeling heading over to the UK on what was your first tour back with the Australian team for the World Cup and then the Ashes? Yeah, look, it was um, always going to be an exciting one to be involved in. Um, you know, I've been to England now for a few Ashes, um, 13 and 2015, and uh, both eluded us. So um, it was always going to be a, a big series um, and, and an exciting one to be involved in. So, um, yeah, to get there and, uh, yeah, be involved in that was, um, yeah, it was huge and, uh yeah, some looking back now, obviously some some really fond memories. The World Cup didn't go quite to plan. Australia knocked out in the semi-finals. How quickly did you have to shake off that disappointment to focus on the Ashes? Yeah, that obviously that wasn't the the best start to the tour of England. Obviously, the World Cup and um, not being able to to go the full distance. But um, look, it was. Uh, yeah, I think we made some improvements in, in one day cricket from probably where we've been the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, disappointing not to have won it, but still think we made a few strides. Um, and then, yeah, it was about just, just shaking it off and, and getting on with the, the next job at hand. And, and that was the ashes. And, um, you know, you have to be mentally, physically, uh, emotionally ready to, to go and, and, um, you know, at, at full tilt to, to compete in an Ashes series. And I think we were able to, yeah, I guess get rid of um, what was a, an, a disappointing end to the World Cup and, and get on with things and, and start off well in the Ashes series. The first stop of the Ashes really was at Southampton when we had uh, the top 25 Australian players all in the one spot. Steve, what was it like to have the best players in the country all in the one location in what was really a shootout for some spots? Yeah, it was, it was a very different sort of prep to um, 
to what we'd um, probably had previously, uh, playing a few, um, you know, tour matches and things like that. So they're always difficult tour matches with, um, you know, counties uh, perhaps not bowling their best attacks, um, you know, because they play so much cricket over there. Normally it's it's tough to, um, you know, for them to have their, their first line quicks playing the whole time. So I think that was part of the, the reasoning to, to ensure that, um, you know, it was a good challenge between bat and ball and um, I think it was a, a good idea to, to have, you know, essentially Australia and Australia A or two Australian teams there fighting it out and, um, you know, just being able to put each other under a bit of pressure and and play against some, some good quality or have a good quality game the whole time. It's not often you face the big quicks in a match scenario. So did you uh, cop any extra sledging or anything like that during the game? <laughs> no, I didn't cop any, I don't think, from memory. Uh, I wasn't out there long enough probably. <laughs> at, uh, at, the end of that, at the end of that match, the team got picked. How hard is it to say goodbye to some players who don't make the squad? And on the other hand, what's it like to get around the guys that did make it? Yeah, that, that was a very different um, you know, way of finding out whether you're in the team or not. I mean, you know, normally it's just like a, a phone call or something, but essentially you know, just someone reading out the names of who's in, who's not, um, sort of takes me back to probably like under, under 12s or, you know, schoolboys, <laughs> schoolboys team getting picked almost in a way. Um, so it was different. And yeah, I think the guys were, um, it was really difficult. You know, obviously the guys that missed out were very disappointed and wanted to be a part. And then, yeah, you're feeling happy for the guys that they did get the nod and got an opportunity to be on an Ashes tour in the UK. So uh, very different, but um, yeah, I think everyone sort of just embraced it and got on with it. So the squad gets picked, squad moves up to Birmingham for the first test match. How many balls do you reckon you hit in the lead up to that first test? Uh, I hit a lot from memory. <laughs> I don't think I was, um, I don't think I was hitting the ball as well as I would have liked. So I did have um, a lot of batting, um, both against bowlers and I think JL threw to me for a bit, uh, Hickey threw to me for a bit and then probably went back to JL and then went back to Hickey and um, just tried to find some rhythm. I didn't quite have that. So I, um, I was trying to find that rhythm and get myself back in the frame of mind of, of playing um, test cricket and you know, getting myself in a frame mind to bat for long periods of time and, you know, be really disciplined and, and all those kind of things. So um, got all the prep I needed and, um, yeah, was ready to go. Any doubts in your head going into that first game that you might not be able to perform at your best at Test Match Cricket? No, not after I'd um, done all the preparation. I felt as though um, I was ready to go again. So, um Felt in a good place and was more just excited to get out there and, and get back, play my, my first test in, uh, it was probably about 18 months at that stage uh, when we first started or, or close to that. So um, was just excited to be back playing and um, just looking forward to the, the challenge of, of what an Ashes series is. Does singing the anthem on day one of an Ashes test match bring out the goosebumps any more than any other test match? Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um I uh, yeah, I enjoy going out and doing that, and then I think um, there's probably some footage somewhere around of me actually singing along to Jerusalem that they play every day before <laughs> uh, 
before the first ball's bowled. So I find that tune quite catchy. So I think it just relaxes me before I go out. So I just sing, <laughs> sing along to that. So before you get to the crease, Jimmy Anderson goes off after just four overs and that's his ashes done. Can you recall what the talk was around the team when the news came through that Jimmy was out? I don't recall it. I think I was I was probably next into bat or thereabouts, so I was probably just concentrating on that. But um, you kind of – obviously they, they were a bowler down, but they still have, you know, Stokesy as an all-rounder who bowls, um, you know, probably just as well as, you know, any frontline – a lot of frontline bowlers around the world. So um, had a pretty handy attack still. So, um, yeah, it was just about, I think, just sticking to our plans and trying to bat for, um, you know, a, a long period of time and post a good first innings total. I wasn't thinking about too much else that was going on, just, just playing the game and, and focusing on what needed to be done out in the middle. It wasn't long until you were out there, uh, out there at two for 17 in the eighth over. And you were greeted by some pretty intense booing. Did that just wash over you? How, are you, how was your mindset walking out to the middle? It was, uh, I was in a good place, actually. Um, just excited to get out to the middle and, and, and get batting. Um, yeah, I guess looking back and hearing a few things, um, there, was a, there was a bit of hostility there and, and what have you, but I, I really have I've just found a, a mechanism, and I don't know how I've done it, to just block it all out and, and get on with um, the job at hand. So, I, uh, yeah, I actually don't... Um, really listen to it at all so it was just about business as usual and go out and play and um yeah go out and have some fun well what were you thinking when wickets were tumbling at the other end when you're out there batting broad again he's having a terrific day on this opening day of this ashes series he's now got four four for 34 pattinson the last man to go oh i was I was just really focused. I was in kind of a um, little space of my own, just trying to um, just stay out there um, for as long as I could um, and just get as many runs in the first innings as possible. Uh, I think the first oh, the first innings of a, an Ashes series, um, along with the first test of an Ashes series, is so big to to try and get on top early um, and, and get your yeah to get in front. So. I was really focused and trying to do whatever I could for the team to try and post a, a competitive total. And, um, yeah, it was just about taking it ball by ball and and just being focused, really, um, and not letting myself uh, get outside of, of my bubble that I was in. You mentioned about having fun, uh, the footage on the test. And at the time, you know, Peter sort of walks out. It's eight for 122. He said he felt relaxed. But you greet him with a fist bump and a big smile. Were you having fun out there, despite England being on top? Uh, probably. I was. Um, <laughs> I was. Yeah. Well, I'm always having fun when I'm batting. So, um, yeah, I was trying to. I guess when you got guys coming in down the order, you want to try and keep them as relaxed as possible and um, try and form a partnership. And um, fortunately, we were able to do that. We did. That was a. You know, that was probably one of the most important innings of the whole series from um, from any batter. 
um, that, that Sid was able to put together the the forty odd that he scored, um, and us being able to form that partnership um, was um, that was that was huge. So um, you know you you got to take your hat off to, to guys like that. Pete's obviously you know incredibly experienced and played a lot of cricket and probably and played a lot of Ashes cricket as well. So you know he he would have known how um, important that first innings was to try and post as many as we can and. The um, composure that he showed out there and the, the stroke play that he actually um, brought to the to the crease was um, was pretty special. Good shot from Peter Siddle. That'll be four. So um, yeah, it was a it was an amazing job by him and great to put on that partnership with him. Yuzu put on eighty eight before Siddle goes for forty four and it's nine for two hundred and ten. Nathan Lyon walks out. You're on eighty five on the test. Nathan Lyons says, I remember saying to Smudger, 10 more runs and we'll get it to 250. He goes, shut the F up, let me bat, and I'll get it up to 300. Is that a true story? Oh, I don't know if I used the expletive, <laughs> but it was something along the lines. I think he said that, um, he goes, oh, I was having a chat with, um, with Steve War up there and he said to just, you know, he said to just deal in 10s and I was like, mate, like, stop clouding my mind, just get me on strike and I'll get us to 300. So, um <laughs> or I'll do my best to get us to 300 or something like that. I was, I was just in a, I was in a bit of a, um, uh, what I guess I was in my bubble and I was, I was just on, I was, I was switched on and I, I felt, you know, the more I faced, obviously the better it would be. Um, and I needed to try and be a bit more aggressive and get a few boundaries away here and there and try and milk the strike as much as I could. So, um, yeah, it was. It wasn't really about counting in tens for me. It was just about getting as many runs as I could when I was on strike, um, particularly earlier in the over, and then trying to get off strike at the back end to, to keep keep strike. Um, you know, the next over. So it was. Um, fortunately, we were able to. Um, you know, put on a little partnership together. I don't know how many Gazza scored, but we got up to two eighty four. I think it was from memory. So it fell short of the three hundred, which was disappointing, but. I thought 284 with our bowling attack on that wicket was um, going to be very competitive if we bowl well. You put on 74 with uh, Nathan Lyon uh, and when he came came out to bat, you weren't dealing in 10s, you were dealing in boundaries, four over mid on, then a six off Moeen, Ali gets us a 98. Gone up, up and over. Beautifully struck by Steve Smith. But then you play this textbook cover drive for four. It brings up your 100. Through the covers, Steve Smith is back. His first test back after the ban and it's normal service resumes. So you're covered in applause, boos, cheers, taunts. You sort of had a mixed bag out there. Um, you take a couple of deep breaths before saluting the dressing room. What was that moment like for you, Steve? Yeah, it was pretty special. Um you know, I didn't really know if it was going to come around again um, or for a few moments, you know, when I was actually banned, whether I wanted it to come around again. Um, I didn't know whether I wanted to, to play again for a bit. Um, and that was more when my elbow was, um, I was in a brace um, and I just had my elbow operation. And I sort of fell out of love with cricket for a bit Um so yeah, it wasn't until I got my brace off that I found that love again. I was like, right, I'm ready to, to play again. I want to play. Um, and then, yeah, getting the opportunity and in my my first test back, just I don't know. I was kind of 
um, it's kind of surreal. Um, all these emotions just sort of came out when I got to three figures. Um, you know, just worked my backside off to try and get us to a competitive total. Um, and then past three figures, it was kind of like, oh, geez, I didn't know whether to like laugh or <laughs> I almost burst into tears. I was, I was kind of all these emotions just sort of swept over me. So, yeah, I remember I took a few deep breaths and just uh, looked at the boys on the balcony, um, looked at the, a lot of the Australian contingent that was, um, you know, over there watching the, the test match. And, um, yeah, it was kind of just a, a proud moment and um, one that actually just gave me so much confidence to know I never doubted that I was um, was ready to play again and, and good enough to, to play again, but that just sort of said, right, you are, you're, you're ready to go, you've, you've got your confidence back, let's, let's, let's get back to, to business as usual, essentially. With others falling around him, he has been a defiant as ever. 100 number 24. You weren't done on 100. You go on to make 144, 16 fours, two sixes, put on 74 with line for the 10th wicket. And you're right, Australia make 284. Not quite that 300. Bold in this time. And that ends a remarkable innings from Steve Smith. How'd you feel coming off? Yeah, I, was just, I would have loved a few more runs, but um, as in the team to, to get up over 300 because I like doing what I say I'm going to do. So I was pretty, uh, <laughs> when I said to Gaza, I was, I was a bit disappointed that I didn't get there. But um, we, I thought 284, like I said before, if, if we bowl well, there was actually there was a fair bit in the wicket. So um, if we got the ball in good areas, I thought, you know, we'd be able to to get some breakthroughs and, um, you know, really challenge England. So, um, you know, fortunately we were able to do that. Um, boys bowled exceptionally well and, um, yeah, sort of set us up for the rest of that test match. That 144, you've called it since uh, your best test innings. What's in your top five test knocks now? Oh, yeah, I'd say just with the uh, you know whole situation, I'd say that was probably my best. Um, I think, jeez, oh, I'd say maybe the Gabba, the first test of the um, previous Ashes, was um, was a big one for me as well. Sort of not too dissimilar sort of circumstances with um, you know a lot of wickets falling around me and sort of having to find a way. Um, I think I got one four one there. I think South Africa when I scored a hundred there. Me and Sean Marsh put on quite a few runs. I think that was a that was a, a beginnings for me um, personally. Pune would probably be up there. The hundred I scored in the second innings there. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty tough wicket to bat on. Um, yeah, and to be able to sort of score runs there. In the second innings, albeit I think I scored five good twenties, I think I got dropped about five times. Um, so that'd be up there, and then oh, I don't know, last one, um, maybe the two hundred at Old Trafford, or the two hundred at Lords, maybe um, they're probably probably up there to round out the top five. In the dressing room, all your teammates are giving you hugs and slaps as you walk off. But Steve Waugh, the vision shows him just giving you a subtle nod and a, and a quick handshake. I mean, it doesn't give away much, does he, Steve? Well, you've just gone out there and played one of the innings of your life. You've rescued the team and all he can give you is a little nod. You must be thinking, <laughs> what do I have to do to get something out of this bloke? 
Oh, oh, I don't know. I think a, a nod of approval from Tug is just about as, as much as you need. <laughs> so, um, no, it was good to have Steve around throughout the Ashes and, um, you know, in the lead up as well. As uh, I think the boys took a lot out of it. Um, obviously, an Australian legend and someone that's very uh, renowned for, you know, performing when uh, when his back's against the wall and, and when... Um, you know, when he's under pressure and the team's under pressure. So um, good to have him around dur- during an Ashes series, that's for sure. There's lots of quotes on the test about how you performed in the series, but there's this one from Cameron Bancroft, which really stands out. And he says, we all make mistakes. I reckon it was almost a great metaphor for the fact that we've got a choice, whether we want to live in the suffering of what that is, or we want to move on past that and get better and be great. Steve Smith did that, and I think that was the proudest thing watching that. When you hear things like that from people like Cameron Bancroft, who you've experienced a lot with, does that sort of close a chapter on everything that happened in South Africa or are you still dealing with it on some part? No, look, I'm, I've moved on. Um, life moves on. People make mistakes and I guess it's how you, what you learn from them and um, I guess the person you you sort of become after and um, the way you can sort of deal with it and, and, and get on with things. So, um yeah, you know, I'm in a good place now. I've sort of let let all that go and um, keep moving forward with life. Um, and yeah, I think just getting back playing and, and enjoying it again was a big part of it. So um, yeah, I guess in that first test to have played um, the way I did individually and the way we played collectively um, was 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 amazing and um, just to you know, a good sort of step in the right direction. It was so intense on the field, but on the way back to the team hotel on the bus, the fans were doing all kinds of things towards the team bus. You call it good comedy. Uh, what was one of the funnier things you'd witnessed on your way back during that test? Oh, just grown men carrying on like absolute pork chops. <laughs> um, it was just, oh, it's hilarious. You know, that obviously probably had a fair bit of alcohol in them and, um, you know, trying to enjoy themselves and we were probably doing our best to, um, you know, with our performances on the field to ensure that they're not enjoying themselves um, (laughs) watching it. Uh, But, um, yeah, it was, (laughs) yeah, just grown men carrying on and and doing a few different things was, you know, I thought it was good comedy on the way back on the bus and, Gave, the, gave all the boys a good laugh. So, yeah, good fun. I think it was after your Manchester double where you told us that after good innings like that, you'll go back home to the team hotel and enjoy a, a block of chocolate. Did you have some chocolate that night after day one? I did, yeah. It's been a routine of mine for a long period of time. Um, so, yeah, to, 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 to have a good innings and, and get over 100, I... I've always rewarded myself. So, um, yeah, I got myself a nice big block of dairy milk and polished it off. <laughs> no more skin folds tests after scoring 100, that's for sure. Um, oh, you burn enough calories, I think, out there. Probably <laughs> probably, probably allows it for a block, I reckon. <laughs> fair, fair enough. If it doesn't, I don't care anyway. <laughs> England have a pretty good day too. Rory Burns gets a maiden test century. 
because this is a very special moment for Rory Burns. Tobruk gets 57 and England finished the day on four for two, 67. Can you recall how the team was feeling after day two and what JL's message was? I think it was more just just about just sticking to our processes and um, having faith that you know we'll get we'll get opportunities if we continually bowl good balls and, and get the ball in the right area. So um, yeah, not getting too far ahead of ourselves and um, just being in the moment. I think from memory was was where it was at. And it's, it's a pretty general message that that's sort of said around the group is to to keep concentrating on the process and not thinking about the outcome too much and um, staying in that present moment. So I think that was basically it. And um, yeah, that was, that was it. One of the bright spots for the Aussies on day two was James Pattinson taking his first test wicket in about three and a half years. And you helped him by taking the catch to remove Jason Roy. Has it counted? It has. Steve Smith at second slip. It looked like coming. Pattinson had challenged that outside edge from Jason Roy and he's gone now. How good was it seeing Pattinson back in the test team and firing on all cylinders? Yeah, it was great. He's a he's a, a great character to have around the group. Um, always good fun, uh, always up and about. And, um, you know, to see the the hard work that he'd put in after, you know, a back operation, a serious operation, particularly for, for a fast bowler, putting that kind of force through his body. So... To be able to come back from that and um, you know get himself in the right shape and the frame of mind to to be involved in Nash's series is you know a real credit to him and all the people that were working with him to get him up for it. Um, but yeah, to see him get his first wicket back was was special, and you know you could see the joy on his face when he we took that wicket. So um, yeah, it was it was great to have him back around the group. Where does he rank? in terms of the hardest that you've faced of your teammates over the years? Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's right up there. Um, you know, we've got a pretty, we've got a, you know, a good luxury, I guess, at the moment of having so many quality fast bowlers. And, um, you know, I think for us batters, it's, um, it's, a, bit, it, it's a blessing to be able to face them in the net because um, I think, you know, everyone, I've said this for years, I reckon everyone feels 10 or 15 Ks quicker in the net than, it can be, um, you know, you're, you're um, in a confined space, feels a little claustrophobic. So if you're able to perform and get through net, um, you know, with, with these guys bowling, it, it holds you in pretty good stead for what you're going to face in the middle. Um, everything doesn't, everything feels a little bit slower in the middle, I think. So, um, yeah, to, to have Pato and, and the other boys there, um, is a is a great luxury for Australian cricket, and um, hopefully they can all stay fit for for some time and, and keep challenging each other. Um, you know, you can only generally fit fit three of them into a team with with Lino. So um, if they're you know if they're challenging each other and um, you know their selection on the cards, um, you know it means that no one can get complacent. They've got to keep working working hard to get better and better and there's that healthy sort of rivalry there. Just means they're going to go harder in the nets though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, no good for us. I mean, great for us, but scary for us is that it. <laughs> it sounds like a blessing and a curse, but... <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> On day three, Australia have a good fight back and you have England eight for 300, but then Stuart Broad, Chris Wakes and Jimmy Anderson had an extra 74 runs. How frustrating is it when the tail wags like that 
And at that point of the game, how did you rate Australia's chances of winning the game? Yeah, that could have um, that could have been a really crucial partnership, um, or those those tail end of runs. Um, we've seen how much of a difference they can quite often make to test matches, particularly um, when they're not very high scoring ones. Um, so yeah, no, we were still well and truly in the game. I think the the wicket had flattened out a little bit. Um, there was a little bit of rust starting to form, so. Um, you know, we weren't too far behind, so it was about going out and ensuring we have a good um, good second innings with the bat and, and try and give ourselves um, something to bowl um, something to bowl at with, um, you know, day, day four, day five wicket sort of starting to wear and, um, you know, hopefully a few tricks going to be played on, on a day five wicket. So, yeah, it's just getting, getting the runs we needed and... Um, and that was it. Just trying to again not not look too far ahead. Just play the game and and um, yeah, get as many runs as we could, I guess. So Australia trail by ninety on first innings and lose both openers inside ten overs. You're out there at two for twenty seven. Holly stand going berserk as normal, uh, but then you guys quieten them down. You Kwaja, Travis Head, and by stumps Australia is three for one hundred twenty four. You're on forty six. How did you feel? At the end of that day, um, you just said that if you guys got enough runs on the board, you could defend it on a wicket that was wearing. But what what did you f- sense the team was feeling? It was going to be a tough battle, I think. Yeah, we um, we still needed to bat well um, and and post a good score. But um, you know, I think the wicket was probably the wicket was still playing well at that stage. There was a bit of rust starting to form from memory, but. Um, you know the center of the wicket was was playing pretty well still, so it was still good for batting. Um, and it was about yeah, just just going out and playing and trying to to get as many runs on the board as we could and, and give our bowlers um, something to um, you know something behind them. So um, yeah, that was I remember oh, night four I think um, team talk after I think JL said to me um, what was I 46 not out is that yeah. right yeah day three yep oh, day, yeah day three night so yeah JL goes um, are you on because he always asks me if I'm on and if I say yes I get him really excited so um, I go yeah yeah I'm on he goes he goes lock you in get you on the board again I was like yeah righto <laughs> so I was um, oh, probably a little bit arrogant but um I did feel, I just felt just really good at the crease. Um, I think I was almost a run a ball um, from memory. And um, I got off to a really quick start. And I think I was 40 or 41 or something. So I was scoring freely. And, um, yeah, it was, again, just going to be about trying to form partnerships with, you know, Hetty, um, who'd started well, and um, and then Wadey and... Um, you know, the rest of the guys down the lower order. So, um, yeah, that was that was the talk on night of day three. Do you ever mess with JL and when he asks you, are you one, you say nah, even though you are <laughs> on? <laughs> I, I, if I'm not feeling great, then I'll, I'll never say no, but I'll say, oh, we'll see how we go. <laughs> <laughs> and then he turns white. <laughs> yeah, well, he's... He doesn't get as excited as when I say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so JL says the plan for day four was simple, bat, 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 
And you did that. Shot again. It's beaten the field. This will be four more. Excellent stuff from Steve Smith. Oh, it's a full toss. Steve Smith's turned that into a full toss. That's another boundary. These runs are coming pretty quickly. How did you approach the second innings compared to the first? It wasn't... Uh, it was probably... The wicket was a bit flatter, so you could probably play a few more... Um, a few more shots. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just about... Just playing the game still, but um, knowing I pro- could probably play in a, a higher gear than, um, than the first innings. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just about forming partnerships and uh, Hetty played nicely um, and then and then Wadey came in and played beautifully as well um, from ball one. So it was uh, at that stage, um, you know, I think when I got out, I don't know how many in front we were, 250 maybe, mm. or thereabouts possibly. Um, so, yeah, it was um, yeah great to put a few good partnerships together and then, uh, I got out, and and then Jimmy Pattinson and um, and uh, Wadey were able to, to smack a few round, and I think Jimmy had a bit of fun out there from memory. Smeared away by Pattinson, he's hit it really well. And guys were were, were batting beautifully. Wadey got a hundred, um, which was was so pleasing to see. Um, you know, to see him sort of back and and playing. Um, after so much hard work um, at state cricket to, to get himself back and, and to score a hundred was was amazing and um, you know he's, he's been playing beautifully ever since so um, yeah really pleased for, for him that all his hard work got a paid off. There you go, <laughs> fantastic shot! What a way to go to your hundred! Absolutely magnificent shot. First hundred for six and a half years. So you go to lunch on day four on on ninety eight. This might be an odd question, but what do you do in the lunch break when you're on ninety eight? Are you feeling extra fidgety because you're almost at the hundred? Does do you think about it in the break? I mean, what are you eating? Is, do the routines change? No, nah, my routine wouldn't have changed. I probably just had a little bit of like grilled chicken and some vegetables. I don't really. I would have only had a little bit. Um, I don't really eat very much when I bat, so um, would have kept everything the same. I was probably uh, maybe a little nervous. Um, I try not to think about hundreds anymore. I, I try to think more. And this was something I remember Michael Clark said to me um, years ago. He said, "150 is your hundred. Like, don't think of your hundred as a hundred as such." Mm. So I think that that actually um, you know rubbed off on me a little bit and. Uh, it, it's helped me sort of not think about it as much when I get close to a hundred. Um, but this would have been the first time that I've got, um, you know, back to back hundreds in a test match. So, um, particularly an Ashes test match and my first one back. So I was probably, um, I was probably more excited. I just wanted to get out there and get it done. Um, rather than ha- be sitting there at lunch. So, um, yeah, I, I can't really think of too much else that was going on in my mind. Uh, really. Just, just playing. That's all right. So now it's not the nervous 90s for you. It's the, the fearful 140s because you start worrying get, on 149 getting that 150. Yeah. I've got out in the 140s a few times as well. Well, t- twice so, in this test match. Yeah. And a few other times as well, I think. So, 
Uh, maybe there's something in that. Um, <laughs> Just set it to 200 or 250. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so you put on uh, you put on 130 with with Trav Head, 86 with Matty Wade. Then you get caught behind edging the second new ball. Gone at last. New ball does the trick. Waltz does the trick. Wonderful innings. I know you don't like getting out at any stage, but you were you okay walking off with 142 to your name with the side in a good position? Yeah, I was pretty exhausted from memory. Um, I'd obviously spent a fair bit of time out in the middle and um, on, on probably little to no sleep if memory um, serves me right. So I was pretty exhausted at that stage, but um, you know, I was probably I was a bit disappointed. I was probably, with the second new ball just coming, I was probably just about to start playing a few more shots I reckon so um because I felt I thought we were in a decent position at that stage so um it was probably just about trying to score as many as we could then um as well just putting the foot down a bit quicker but um yeah always disappointed getting out but you know you can't <laughs> can't complain too much when you've had you know one four two and one four four for the match um it was pretty special I'm going to really test your memory here, Steve. Have you got a favourite sure. shot from that test match? Favourite shot? Yeah, maybe the yeah the cover drive I played, I reckon, in the second innings to go to 100. Yeah. Full, driven away. Back-to-back hundreds in the same test match for Stephen Smith. He joins an elite group of Australians who have done that. Only four others in Ashes tests. Redemption is well and truly complete. I don't know. It was almost uncharacteristic of me. I actually got almost got my foot to the ball. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, it was. I got a reasonable stride in and got my foot to the ball. I'm not normally a big one for foot movement, but um, it was. Uh, yeah, it was almost like it was almost textbook in a way. <laughs> that's that's unorthodox for you, Steve. That's it. So we'll go with that. <laughs> Very good. Keep the keep the traditionalist happy. <laughs> So as you mentioned, Matt Way gets a hundred. Um, James Pattinson goes to Tonk, and Tim Payne declares with a lead of three hundred ninety-seven runs ahead. You're out there bowling late on day four. Uh, didn't get any wickets, so Australia needed ten on day five. At that point, how was the wicket playing? I think a few, couple of balls may have stayed low, possibly, um, possibly, um, but it looked like it was getting a bit crusty and. Um, that spin was going to play a big part on that final day. Um, so that was, it was kind of, you know, I think the, the general message was, Gaza, you you go and do your thing, bowl as well as you can and quick, just keep putting the ball in good areas. Um, keep challenging, challenging the defence um, of the English batters and um, we, had, we had plenty of runs. So it was, uh, the runs were never an issue. It was, it was just about, Doing what we could to take ten wickets, um, keeping things as, as simple as we could, I guess. It was a big day for Nathan Lyon. His first wicket was that of Jason Roy. Yeah! Hold him now, though. The little bit of patience from Nathan Lyon just pays off, and Jason Roy has completely got this wrong. Who runs down the wicket, takes a wild swipe, and is bowled. Now, Steve, you've seen a lot of cricket. Is that one of the uglier dismissals you've seen? <laughs> Uh, I've probably had a few ugly ones like that myself, so <laughs> I, can't, I can't say too much. Um, no, I, you know, 
that happens sometimes. You know, he's, he's a pretty aggressive batsman and probably trying to, um, you know, maybe a plan was to try and uh, hit Nathan a bit to try and get him out of the attack because it was perhaps the most threatening um, bowler for, for us on that last day uh, with it starting to spin a bit. So, um, yeah, those things happen. Fortunately, we got the wicket though. Was it you who played one onto his own stumps? Is it the MCG? You got heaps of runs and you just try to lap one over fine leg and you played it onto your stumps? Yeah, spot on. It's a fairly ugly dismissal, I suppose. Yeah, we were nine down though, <laughs> you know. I, had to, I think that every man on the fence I was trying to be a bit inventive to score <laughs> some boundaries. So, oh well, happens. <laughs> Arm bowls. Well, he was working across the stumps to try and flick it to a vacant fine leg. And finally he's out. But what an innings. So England crumble, four down at lunch and then all out after drinks in just a second session for 146. Lyon takes six for 49 and Pat Cummins four for 32. Oh, in the air. Yep, gone. Well, Steve Smith at second slip. And Fortress Edgebaston has been breached by the Australians of 2019. Their first win here since 2001. And what a comeback. 122 for eight in their first innings. And they win by 251. Now, during that last day, when did you know the first test was in the bag? Was there a moment or a wicket? I know you can't look too far in front. In England, you never know. Could rain. Um, I think there were a few clouds, sort of threatening as well at one stage. So, um, you know, those kind of things can happen, particularly in England. So you don't ever think it's in the bag. Um, but uh, I don't know. When you get to seven, seven, eight down, and you've got you know two and a half sessions of, or two sessions to play or wherever it is, um, you're normally in a pretty good place. Um, so, yeah, you, you never think too far ahead, but I'd say around there is probably where we thought, right, we're um, pretty good chance here, I dare say. You hadn't won too many test matches in England personally at that point because you have another big win later on in the series. But was that up the top of the most satisfying wins you've test wins you've had at, at that point in your career? Uh, yeah, I'd say that would be right up there. Um I'd say the other one was probably the first test in Pune in in India. Yeah, that was um that was pretty big. Um, but yeah, I think to win to win the first Ashes test in England is is huge as well. So um, it it was important for us to to win that one and and sort of um, stamp our authority on the series. Um, knowing how difficult it can be to 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 win in England, so um. It was special and, um, yeah, definitely a, a test match and I guess series all, all together that I'll probably never forget. When it came to the team song, uh, Lion called you out specifically to let you know how proud everyone was of you before you then got drenched in beer and champagne. <laughs> what, what was that moment like? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, those are the sort of moments you play for to, to be singing it. Um, Singing the team song with your mates, um, just seeing the smiles and pure elation on on people's faces, um, it's pretty special. So um, just loved it, loved every minute of 
that whole first test and uh, and the way it finished with us singing the song and and having a few beers together as a team was was pretty special. So yeah, absolutely loved it. There wasn't much time to rest in that series, was there? The, the, the calendar was so cramped. I mean, two days later, you guys had a tool game to play in Worcester. Well, not everyone, but the squad had to play a game in Worcester. So did it give you a chance to properly celebrate that first test win? Uh, yeah, I probably celebrated a little bit harder than a few of the others. <laughs> um, I'd been told that I was heading to London to have a few days off, so I could probably go a bit harder than those that had to play in the tour match. So... Um, you know, I was able to. We'd obviously played the the World Cup and um, the game in Southampton, and we we played a bit of cricket um, up to that Test match. So I think it was a good chance for a few guys to just get away and rest and um, get some some energy back and um, switch the mind off for a bit. So um, yeah, had a good night. Um, enjoyed it with the guys, and um, yeah, then it was it was back to work knowing that. Um, you know, the job certainly wasn't done. Just a couple of questions to round off, Steve. Uh, no. what, what was your favourite on-field moment of the series? Favourite on-field moment? Uh, probably the point where we were uh, at Old Trafford when we were waiting for the um, the third umpire to, to give it out um, that last wicket. That was uh, that was pretty special um, to know that we'd, we'd got the Ashes back Um was pretty special. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't win them, um, which is something I'd still like to do. That um, it just doesn't feel the same sometimes. Um, you know, you get to the end of the series and we're there holding up the the Ashes, but we just won- we just lost the last Test match, mm. um, and we actually hadn't won anything. Um, which you know, it was it was cool to get them back, but I was actually probably more disappointed <laughs> that we hadn't won them. How about your favourite off-the-field moment? Oh, I loved the uh, the game of touch footy we played in um, Derby. In, uh, in Derby and I threw the, the beautiful cut-out ball to Manus to <laughs> score the winning try. That went everywhere, <laughs> didn't it? Honestly, oh, what a ball that was, um, <laughs> if I do say so myself. <laughs> but um, it was um, – well, we don't play too many of those games and stuff, so – have a good. I think we played for like an hour or something. It was great. Absolutely loved playing touch footy. So it was, yeah, that was that was actually one of my favourite off-field moments, if not my favourite. What about mementos, Steve? Did you bring any back with you, like bales or stumps or, or towels or anything like that? I'm not normally really big with that kind of thing, but I think I did bring back a stump from memory, which would be stored somewhere in my, my back room or something. Um, I think I, I think that's what I bought a stump. And Steve, did you also come back with one bat lighter because uh, you made a deal with Manus Abishan, right? They need to clean up your kit throughout the tour, and you give him a bat. Did you follow through? Yeah, Manus was um, was sniffing around my, my bag um, very uh, intently early on in the um, in the tour. So I sort of, you know, I thought, geez, maybe I'll get something out of this. Um, so I said, right, you clean my my. Uh, my cricket kit up after every game. Probably one of the things I hate doing. I hate putting away all my bats and gloves and pads and stuff. It's I, I hate getting to the end of a test match or um, <laughs> after a one-day game when we have to move and whatever. Or just packing my cricket kit, I hate it. So made an unbelievable deal that 
after every test or every tour match or whatever it was for the rest of the tour. Um, Marnus had to uh, pack up my cricket kit very neatly and um, if he did so, I'd give him a bat. So um, I think it it worked out well for everyone and he absolutely loved it. So uh, might need to do that again at some point, I think. (laughs) It's like getting the intern to do the cleaning for you. That's it. That's it. Genius. Can you, can you believe the, the series that he had? I mean, from a guy that was out at the side, packing up your kit bag to becoming, you know, probably the second best batter for the Aussies on tour. Yeah, it was pretty special to to witness that. Um, you know, I'd seen, I'd seen glimpses of Marnus play. Um, I remember playing against him in a Shield game a few years ago at Allen Border Oval when uh, he might have got 60 or 70 odd from memory and, he looked like he had um, sort of all the attributes um, to, to be a successful player. It looked like he had a lot of time. Um, he was very organised. He was leaving the ball well. Um, and then I think for him it was just about putting that all together and, um, you know, formulating a good game plan to um, be successful against quality bowling. And um, obviously I think for him, being able to play county cricket and, and score a truckload of runs there, um, was huge for him. Um, I think it was great development for him. And, and then to see him come in and just perform straight away, um, you know, after I got concussed to come in and perform the way he did in the second innings on that wicket was was um, very special and I think probably gave him a lot of confidence straight up to know that, you know, he was playing well and he could score runs against some quality bowling in difficult circumstances and and that held him in good stead. Um you know, you, you like seeing players do well that put in the hard work and, um, you know, will sort of do anything for the team and um, and just, um, you know, be be willing to, to do all the hard work to get better and try and get better continually. And Marnus is certainly one of those. And, um, you know, I sort of gravitated towards him and sort of help each other a bit with our batting. Um, I think we do things quite similarly. So, um you know, we can sort of feed off each other a bit and try and help each other out. So, um, yeah, huge respect the way you came in and played so well straight away. Yeah, you mentioned that. Have you gone back and watched that second test, in particular that moment when Joffre got you? Is it tough to watch? Uh, I've seen it a few times, yeah. It's, it's not hard to watch. Um, no, it's, um, you know, I remember it pretty uh, vividly. It's, um, it was a pretty difficult period of time batting. Um, it was starting to get a bit dark and from memory and I was actually sh- struggling to pick the ball up a bit from from that end. Um, it's probably one of the most unique places in the world to bat, obviously, with, you know, there's, there's a bit going on behind the arm with all the members sitting there and um, the the windows um, of the, of the um, uh, what do you call it, clubhouse or uh, pavilion. Um so it's yeah, there's a few distractions there that was so it was difficult, but um, you know, it was a good spell of bowling on um on that that wicket at that stage. Um, so yeah, I've looked back at the the knock a few times and oh, I guess count myself lucky at times to um to have been able to get up from it and you know only have like a a, a concussion. That's about it. So um yeah, I was yeah. To, to miss the third test match wasn't nice. I would have loved to have played that, but 
um, you know, the right call was certainly made and I guess another little freshen up before the fourth test was, was good in a way. And I reckon if you don't like packing your bags, you must really dislike watching cricket and not being able to play. How was it watching that test unfold, knowing that you really couldn't have much of an influence on the field? Oh, it was terrible. I hated watching it. It was it was disastrous. Um, I didn't like it at all. Um, <laughs> just not being able to go out and do anything and just feel helpless. Um, yeah, that was, uh, wasn't much fun. But um, witnessed, obviously, one of the pretty special innings of... Um, of Test cricket, um, that was Stokes. He was unbelievable. So um, to witness that was was cool. But um, I prefer him do it not against us. <laughs> and did that missing out on that Test match and seeing what Stokes did in England come back in this series? Did that sort of galvanise you, even steal you even more for that fourth Test to go out there and let us let England know that um, Australia is still the team to beat and they're a different team when you're on the side. Oh, I don't think it had. I don't think my mindset really changed the whole way through, regardless of any results. It was just about enjoying it and doing what I could and um, scoring as many runs as I could. Um, that was essentially it. So, yeah, there wasn't any, any kind of extra um, motivations or or anything like that from memory. It was just going on. Well, getting on with the game and getting on with business as usual, really. And you kind of touched on it just before. But when you look back on the whole series, was it mission accomplished or unfinished business? Depends who you ask, I think. Um, from my personal perspective, I, I think um, I think it's unfinished business. Um, it just doesn't – I mean, it's great to retain the ashes, but it doesn't sit right with me when you don't win it. If that makes sense, yep. um, the only we we drew the series like good, but not great. Um, so yeah, I was um, I probably left at the end of the fifth test more disappointed than um, than um, uh, what's the word than like a sense of achievement almost in a way. Yeah, and and is that on the top of the list? of things you want to achieve left in your cricket event? Because Steve, look at your, your record. You've scored hundreds everywhere, won pretty much every award you can. But would winning the Ashes in England be at the top of the, the to-do list? Yeah, I think that and that in India um, are the two, um, the two uh, I guess, big mountains to, to climb. Um, and if you can, I guess, if, yeah, if you can do that, that would be pretty special. So, um Hopefully get another crack at it. We'll see how we go. Um, getting a bit old now, 31. You never know how long I've got left. So you never know, you know what the future holds. So um, take it each day as it comes. But, yeah, certainly a uh, something to um, strive for, for for an Australian team, that's for sure. I think 31. You're still in the young category, mate. You're all right. <laughs> Well, mate, oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, mate, thank you very much for coming on and revisiting the first test of the 2019 Ashes. Uh, you're an absolute superstar of that game and man of the series. So um, congratulations and hopefully we see you back there in, what was it, 2023 when you're a slightly older man. <laughs> we'll see how we go. Cheers, Sam. That's it for part one of our Ashes Revisited podcast series. Next week is the second test match at Lord's. And we revisit that with Australia fast bowler Josh Hazelwood 
But until then, for all your cricket news, scores and video highlights, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.